Think about a rock. I'll give you 15 seconds to come up with as many uses for that rock as you can. Ready? Go. What'd you come up with? Here's my list. Hammer, seat, nutcracker, paperweight, foreground in a picture, shelter, stove, weights, pet. How you use that rock is determined by your needs. If you keep the window open in your office, it'd be nice to have something that'll keep your papers on your desk. If you are tired of chasing papers that are blowing in the wind, you might need to take a seat. If you find yourself with no one to complain to about how real the struggle is, you might just need a pet. Hey folks, this is Ali, and welcome to today's episode of Teaching and Learning, One Teacher's Audio Diary. In this podcast, I share some of my perspectives and ideas on education. Today, I'm going to share some thoughts on why we do and don't use technology in our teaching practice. Technology is pervasive in our society, so what we choose to do with it in the classroom matters. I'm asking you to determine where you are on the spectrum and if it's the right position for you. Innovation is driven by ideas, not tools. Tools can be found, manipulated, or created to suit any idea, but the reverse isn't always true. Ideas are not created by the tools you have in front of you. Because integrating technology into your teaching practice is something that is asked of you, I think the problem that most people have is not how to use it, but why to use it. The how is easy to figure out, the why isn't so much. Technology has been designed to be as easy to use as possible. Yes, some of it can be rather complicated, but you only need those tools once you've mastered the fundamentals. Take the example of the Chromebook, one of the simplest computers to use. Where other companies like Apple and Microsoft are packing in tons of operating power into their machines, Google stripped it down to the essentials, which is ultimately just an internet connection. Other companies are promoting terabytes of hard drive space, brilliant displays, and millisecond processing speeds. Chromebooks give you up to 64 gigs of hard drive space, a capable display, and quick startup times. Other companies are selling you a BMW M series, while Google is presenting you with a Honda Civic. Google's productivity suite is powerful enough, but Microsoft Office is incredibly robust. To use G Suite, all you need is the desire to do something. With Microsoft Office, you need both the desire to do something and the knowledge of how to maximize the potential of those programs. It's not the technology that is holding us back, but the inability to define its usefulness. The old adage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, comes to mind. Innovations in technology flip this on its head and say, improve it so that it doesn't break. One is looking toward the past, the other toward the future. It's comfortable to live in the past because it's easy to identify its characteristics. The future is less certain. Using technology in education isn't easy because it isn't easy to identify the necessity of doing so. I'd wager that most of what is being taught with technology in schools could be taught without technology. A well-curated library could replace Google for research, presentations can be done on trifolds instead of slideshows, and communication between home and school could happen through agendas and phone calls. Where we use technology most is not where its potential is best served, but where we are comfortable using it. We all know how to search the internet, even if it's just for a new pair of shoes. We like slideshows because they resemble the media we're used to seeing on billboards and at our own PD sessions. And it's much easier to send an email to a parent than to try to reach them on the phone during a prep period or after school. What's less clear to us is the value in putting together complicated interactive whiteboard presentation when there's a dry erase marker readily available, managing a learning management system like Google Classroom when the agenda's already on the board, or building something with robots and code when those robots couldn't do anything complicated enough to be as interesting as something the students could have done on their own.
This isn't because we can't use the technology that we've been given, but because we don't know why we need to use it in the first place. That same grandfather who can't download a new app on his iPhone is more than happy to share pictures of his grandchildren that he took with that same iPhone with you on that same iPhone. To him, the value is not in having the latest operating system or fanciest app. It's being able to share his joy with you. That's his why for using technology. When we walk into a classroom, our first objective is to care for the well-being of the people who sit in front of us. Our second priority is to educate those people so that they can be the best versions of themselves. In order to do that, we need to deliver the best versions of who we are. What this leads to is the technology being only as good as we make it. In order to make technology as good as you want it to be, you don't need to know how to use it per se, but you do have to know why you're using it. The brilliance of students doesn't come from their knowledge, but their willingness to explore, to fail unknowingly, and to continue forward in spite of setbacks. Whether you hand them an iPad or a paintbrush, students, at their best, will do what feels right to them. It's through this exploration that they learn. It's in creating that students build their intelligence. Which one of the following questions you choose to answer may have an impact on how you approach the adoption of technology in your teaching? Do students need to be taught what to know, or do students need to be exposed to what they can learn from? If students need to be taught facts, hard truths, then the integration of technology into your teaching practice is entirely dependent on you. You have already defined how technology will be used based on your personally defined whys. Maybe you think that students need to learn touch typing by first familiarizing themselves with home row, or maybe they should learn how to code by following scripted instructions for a program. When students deviate from the path known to take you from un unknowledgeable to knowledgeable, they have done the wrong thing. I learned this before my career even started. I found what I thought to be a great activity to help students learn fractions by folding construction paper of different colors during my final teaching practicum. One of the students folded her paper vertically instead of horizontally, and I handed her another stack of construction paper and told her to try again. After the lesson during our debrief, my associate teacher asked me why I did that. I told him that the instructions were to fold the paper horizontally, not vertically. He asked me what the difference in outcome would have been had I given the student a chance to complete the activity regardless. The answer, quite simply, was none. She would have learned the concept just as well, been saved the embarrassment of being called out, and would have been able to trust her path to the same end goal. It was me who was taught the lesson during that class. Similarly, technology is as malleable as construction paper. It's been designed to be easy to use, but also to solve problems that don't exist yet. It's unlikely that you or your students will be the one to break it. If you are defining the limits of how technology can be used, then you've already determined what it's good for. You have asked yourself how you're going to use the technology, answered it, and determined the steps to take to help you and your students get there. Incidentally, you really have to have a very good handle on how technology works in order to properly break it. A restart often fixes any problem. Or there's a sink in your classroom. If your students need to be exposed to things that they can learn from, your approach to technology might be different. You might see that there's a value in technology that you can't quite figure out or that you're willing to learn alongside your students. You see the adoption of technology into your teaching practice is more of a challenge than a tool. For you, it's better to have tried than to have succeeded. It might be that the trouble you face is not in figuring out why technology is good to adopt, but why one technology is better than another. Simply put, you're overwhelmed with how much technology there is and with making the decision of choosing which ones to include in your teaching practice. I sit in this camp. I believe that technology is going to make education better. I realize how difficult and time-consuming it can be to create an engaging lesson, whether it's a digital breakout or a Lego robotics competition. In my classroom, there is a Promethean board begging to have its potential realized every time it lights up its pixels. 
My ability to use technology is regulated by board policies, platform restrictions, and the availability of shared digital resources, not by my determination of what it's capable of doing. A quick aside, I gave my students fountain pens for Christmas last year. They were the best that I could afford, so just good enough. Those fountain pens had enough sticking power to inspire one of my students, the one who I went back and forth with on the value of certain technologies over others, the one who had the most up-to-date technology, I'm talking iPad Pro complete with Apple Pencil and Bluetooth headphones, to bring, to bring in a beautiful new fountain pen that his grandfather gave him, complete with a bottle of Mont Blanc ink. He said that his handwriting, a gripe that he had been having with his mother, improved because of the pen. I even remember him asking me, in a moment of dramatic frustration, why they don't make fountain pens for the iPad. But back to what I was saying. Technology has the ability to improve education. In the same way that it can make daily banking easier, improve a golf swing, or save an actor from an excruciating death in a far-off world of our imaginations, it can transform education. It doesn't transform what needs to be taught or how to teach it, but what is learned. Here is where students pick up where you have to leave off. Your students provide the why, and you give them the go-ahead and the how. Maintaining a classroom LMS is valuable because it's an indication to your students that you are okay with using technology. Interactive whiteboard presentations are arduous to create, but demonstrate your tenacity and proficiency with a tech tool. Building simple robots that complete simple tasks proves that there's potential in these endeavors. Effectively, you're giving your students license to explore the technological side of the world and showing them that it isn't easy or perfect through your own mistakes, but worthwhile nonetheless. If you're willing to look at the world with excitement for the unknowable future and explore alongside them, you're exemplifying the value of education, which, ultimately, is the ability to learn. This week's recommendation is Matthew R. Morris's blog at www.matthewmorris.com. In it, he talks about black education and equity within learning. The question of the week is, when you're asking questions, are you asking for answers or to inspire inquiry? Thank you so much for listening, folks. If you'd like to have future episodes appear automatically in your feed, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, where you can also leave a review. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at MrGTutors or on the website at www.MrGTutors.com. Remember, the best way to do your job is to do it honestly. Talk to you soon, folks.